0: Yes, you can do all these processes, but the essence of it is really having a great product, right? A great product that's easy to use, that is highly sophisticated, can do what the customers wanted to do in a good way, an easy to use way. And that's something we're hyper focused on, like building the best product in the market, uh, always being ahead of the competition on having the best product. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution
1: show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, it's Alex here. We are three weeks out until SAS.usa. The hype is real, believe it. We are 85% sold out. So don't wait to reserve your spot. Come here, where is here? It's Austin uh, for rock stars like Noah Kagan from AppSumo, Dave Grove from Lucid Software, Jason Cohen from WordPress Engine and more. Use code SASREV for 30% off your tickets. See you in person in Austin at the JW Marriott from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June for three days of networking with 800 founders, 100 VCs, connecting with the best in SaaS. is gonna be a blast. That's code SaaS, Rev S A A S-A-A-S-R-E-V, for 30% off your tickets for podcast listeners only. All right, welcome uh, back to the SaaS Revolution show. I'm your host, Alex Huma, uh, CEO and founder of SaaSDoc. Delighted to be joined today. Uh, by uh, a guest who's been on the podcast uh, once before, uh, has rejoined uh, a year later, um, uh, is now uh, a, a dad uh, of one. So that's one of the changes. Um, welcome, uh, Esben Friis Jensen, uh, who's the co-founder uh, and chief growth officer at Userflow. Welcome, Esben.
0: Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be back.
1: Yeah, great, to, great to have you. Uh, so you're back in Europe. Uh, it's, yep. You've got it showing off the new baby. All
0: right, yeah, I'm, I'm only here for uh, yeah, almost two months, but uh, yeah, I still live in the US, originally uh, from Denmark, so I had to go back and kind of show off my son to the family and friends, so that's that's what I'm doing right now. And then I took a, a short holiday here in Switzerland where I'm at the moment, um, so it's been nice too.
1: Very nice, never been to Switzerland, uh, recommend it.
0: Yeah, highly recommended. Lots of beautiful lakes, mountains, all that stuff. Uh, it's a great place.
1: So, sounds okay. Sounds okay where, where where I'm sitting now. And then when you go back to the US, uh, am I right? Like you sort of travel around, but like you, I think last time you were in Colorado.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was something we started my wife and I during COVID. Uh, we kind of got tired of being in San Francisco, where we were had been have been based for the last eight eight years before that. Uh, and then we basically traveled for yeah two and a half years. We've been traveling, living in different states in the U.S. primarily, but also outside of the U.S. Um, and now, when COVID is over, we are and have a kid. Uh, we're considering where we should make uh, make a home, but uh, right now we're still traveling a bit around, uh, but but closer to San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I mean um, probably. You, you could do more than this, but I think generally until like the kid is like four years old, and you have to start thinking about school. I think even yeah. actually in like Scandinavia, you've got to be seven or something like that before you start primary school. But yeah. in, in the UK, I think they they go at like four, straight, four, stroke straight five years old. So until then, you can travel around, and you don't have those. You don't have to be tied down anywhere. And then once you put them into school, it's like, oh, we kind of really need to like think about putting down roots and not disrupting uh, so often. Uh, yeah,
0: we, we will we'll make the best of it uh, for sure. We definitely want to travel and see more of the world. So yeah, we're good. going to do that
1: Good good. And speaking of traveling in a month's time, you'll be in Austin for USA. Uh, uh, excited for that and to, to see you again uh, Remind myself how tall you are uh, in person. Um, so uh, uh, that, That'll that be fun. Uh, reliving sas.doc in uh, in Austin. So I'm, I'm excited for that. But it been um we, we've got a little bit of a glimpse uh, into who, who you are uh, just then. And obviously, you were on the podcast a year ago. But tell us a little bit about yourself as a person, uh, first off. Uh, uh, who is Esben Fries Jensen?
0: It's a big uh, question. <laughs> but, uh, professionally, I guess, I, I'm, uh, I'm the founder of uh, or co-founder of Useflow, uh, which is a no-code software as a service application for basically building um, Onboarding for your product so you can build like a layer on top of your software product to better onboard uh, customers. Um, and prior to that, I co founded another company called Cobalt, uh, which is what was a cybersecurity software as a service company. Uh, today, a Series B, 200 plus employees. Um, but yeah, left that operationally to basically start uh, UserFlow together with my friend Sebastian. And uh, it's a completely different company. We are we're bootstrapping, uh, we're only three people. Uh, so yeah, uh, very, very exciting journey. Uh, and then more personally, I'm, I'm married, I have a kid now, as you, you said, uh, and I've lived in San Francisco for the last 10 years. I came here with Cobalt and kind of decided to uh, to stay there for a while.
1: Very cool, very cool. Um, uh, what about you, So So you, you co-founded, this is the second SaaS company that
0: you co founded. Any businesses before Cobalt? Uh, were you- no. Uh, so before Cobalt, I was an Accenture consultant. Yeah. Uh, so basically working for these like bigger, more traditional enterprises implementing SAP and these kind of boring uh, software systems. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I actually stayed in Switzerland for a while um, uh, and, and got to travel, but uh, I always wanted to do something with a bigger impact. And I felt you could do that with a by, by building your own business instead of just like uh, consulting for others um, so so that's what I did uh, and never look back since that's then
1: so no, no regrets so in terms of that entrepreneurial bug do you, do you think you always had that and that kind of time at Accenture was just something to really kind of I, I don't know give you a little bit more kind of experience in the corporate world to then find out what it is that you wanted to build
0: yeah, no, for sure. When I, uh, I think from when I was like 16 years old, I've been playing with websites. Uh, me and my brother were building websites. Uh, you know, these kind of downloaded illegal MP3 files or whatever you <laughs> were doing back then, uh, in the younger days. Um, but but yeah, so we always built websites, and always wanted to do something. Uh, but I think then you know, life happened. You know, school, university. You kind of get sucked into that whole system uh, of, of university and, and after university, it, it, it wasn't really a, a valid option to become an entrepreneur. It wasn't one of the options that I thought about. Um, but, uh, so, so I joined Accenture because that was where, you know, if you were ambitious, you would join a consultancy. Um, but then luckily in Accenture, I actually met, uh, my co later co-founder in Cobalt, uh, Jacob, uh, and uh, he kind of convinced me to go into entrepreneurship. And, and I think also over those, that, that was in uh, 2013, uh, or we started talking about it in 2012. Denmark had changed a lot at that point uh, and building a startup had become more a normal thing to do and something that people were doing also straight out of university. So, yeah, uh, different different uh, world and today it's even yeah. more a valid uh, alternative to 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 joining a, a company yeah
1: no, hundred percent but I think like for me as well like um, let, let's say uh, many years ago I'm, I'm probably as old or if, if not a little bit older than you uh, Esben, uh, not not say that you're old but uh, um, but um, you you know my 20s I I had that entrepreneurial bug and yearning but I also there was I, what I was missing was a little bit of drive and wherewithal so I kind of bought, I don't know bought some time by you know becoming sales exec and you know selling other people's software and just kind of like just figuring out getting a bit of experience and you know as as I got to kind of thirty and you know the clock was kind of ticking I'm like fuck what am I going to do like where's this where's this business idea this sort of grand design um, and uh, yeah I think just then I just that, uh, the, the drive element added into the entrepreneurial element which then led me to then, you know, creating what is now, you know, today's SaaS stock. But many ideas that I kind of like had and that were on the shelf, like in my 20s, uh, I've seen now into, re- you know, realization from other people that have, that have done them, but I, I just didn't have that that wherewithal. Where is the thing sort of now, as you say, I don't know, there's just like, maybe the barriers to entry a little bit, like easier, there's more stories around entrepreneurship and how you can do it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just uh, just interesting, which and it's a great thing, right, uh, to see.
0: Yeah. Um, and you today you can even join a, a startup as an, an employee, right? Which wasn't like a yeah. thing back then. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so
1: Cobalt, 200-person uh, venture-backed uh, SaaS company, still going, still growing. Uh, yeah. You've co-founded that. And now you're kind of doing the opposite. But, I mean, it is growing, right? And it's, it's got great revenue. But you, you're building a, a, a or you're bootstrapping and you have three-person company and you're doing... 3 million
0: revenue? Three, yeah, We're getting closer to 4 million, actually. Okay, so um, 1, 1
1: million per, uh, per head, full-time heads, right? So yeah. has that, that COBOL experience, like, why did you decide to almost do, like, the opposite? Was there anything to do with COBOL, or is it just like, hey, I'm going to do this
0: one? I mean, number one is experience, right? Like, I think it would have been very hard to do what we do with Userflow if I hadn't done COBOL prior to Userflow, uh, okay. so it wasn't, like, just... A decision you make—it's more uh, now. I had the experience. I've already built one company. I've seen like what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and uh, learn from that, right? So that—that's definitely a big uh, factor. Um, then the second big thing has been uh, to be much more product-led. Um, I think what many sales uh, or many investor-backed uh, SaaS businesses end up being very sales-led, basically, because they are raising capital. Uh, and typically large rounds, uh, and then they need to deploy that capital and they end up hiring a lot of people, salespeople, customer success people. So you become much more people-led instead of product-led. So it's really, uh, for us, it's been uh, having a really core focus on the product and also setting out from the beginning that that is what we wanted to do, right? Like keep the company small and lean, not go out and raise that big fundraising round, uh, but see how far we could take it uh, with just a a small team and a great product.
1: Interestingly, I guess it's quite topical in a way. If we see like what Elon Musk did, you know, whether it was popular or not with Twitter. And he saw that this is a very bloated company in his opinion. And I think perhaps he was right, you you know, uh, cut 50 percent or more of of the staff, saw that things still worked, uh, you know. And, and then many other companies have kind of like followed suit to see actually, like, do we really need all these people to build a company? So do you think you're, you're a little bit uh, an, an prescient there to kind of think like, uh, OK, we can build like these lean organizations. And now like people are waking up to this that, you, you know, we don't really need. You know, 100 people or
0: 200 people right, to run a company? No, yeah, I think people definitely realize it's, the problem is when money is cheap, you end up making bad decisions about hiring people and you end up hiring too many people, right? And that's what we've seen the last two, and three, two three years and that's what we're seeing the effect of now and it's unfortunately it's impacting real people who are getting laid off, right? Um, but but yeah, it's, it's because uh, of money being basically cheap, and then you can just go out and hire people, but you're not building an efficient company. Uh, One of the companies we admire a lot here at Userflow is uh, uh, Danish-founded Basecamp, um, DHH, uh, who's always been preaching. I mean, I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, a lot of the stuff uh, him and his co-founder are saying about building lean organizations, uh, thinking profit first, and these kind of things are ideals we also follow at Useflow.
1: Very cool, very cool. Uh, yeah, we had uh, uh, DHH on a, uh, on a virtual conference and it got him in a debate with Christoph Jans. It's on YouTube. It was quite entertaining uh, 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 for sure. So we'd love to have him back uh, uh, at one point. So in a, in a minute, we're going to talk about uh, a LinkedIn post. So talk, talking of provocative Danish people.
0: Uh, This is a good thing. I'm not as provocative as DHH yet. uh, You wrote
1: post which was quite provocative, right? About how the SaaS org needs to change to support PLG. Uh, I want to talk about that in a minute. But before we go to that, um, I want to talk about how you've gone from, in in one year since you've been on the podcast, and maybe the podcast is the answer, but I doubt it, right? Uh, How you've gone from 1 million. Uh, ARR uh, with two 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 and a half people I think it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah he was yeah. a free one of our employees was a freelancer now he's full time yeah. yeah okay so now
1: you're three so you've only added a half a person on but you've added yeah. in another two million ARR in one year. What are you yeah. doing what are the secrets like share 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 um, like yeah what, what's worked really well between last time on the podcast in that space of the year to to now, what are the things? You're you're doing some things.
0: Yeah, it's basically a lot of, uh, and for those who don't listen to that episode, they should go listen to it. But uh, we follow a very product-led model, right? Product-led growth. So basically the product is the primary driver for uh, acquiring or activating our customers. So we have a free trial. Uh, You sign up for that. We use Userflow and Userflow, so users get onboarded automatically. Uh, and really see the value, we, we focus a lot on having a great UX, making it easy to see the value fast and, and really uh, see that impact, right? Uh, so that's a, a big part of it is is that model uh, that that's very self-service that doesn't require a lot of uh, work from us uh, to basically manage. Um, and then the second part has been, uh, and even with the current kind of downturn in the market, it's of course changed a bit. But there has been a huge focus due to those same reasons that uh, product-led growth has become more popular, then more businesses are looking to become product-led. So they need a solution like Userflow to basically uh, do better onboarding, uh, get more self-service. So we've been kind of riding that trend, basically, that uh, more businesses in uh, software businesses are looking to become product-led. Uh, So even though we are in a competitive market, uh, we've been kind of riding a a big, big trend that many are looking for a tool like ours. And and, and so I think it's those two dimensions that it's been something that people want. And then we have a a strong kind of product-led process that that, uh, reduces the workload for us acquiring customers.
1: I mean, you you mentioned it's a competitive market, right? So why do you think that you might stand out, you know, over and above some of the competition? Obviously, apart from the the strong product-led kind of area, like when somebody's looking for a solution like yours, like how are they finding you, you know, perhaps over and above some of the others?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, of course, do SEM, SEO, all that stuff, but um, I think the essence is really, and that's what people often forget when it comes to product-led go- growth, like product-led growth, yes, you can do all these processes uh, and that we do all that, uh, but the essence of it is really having a great product, right? A great product that's easy to use, that is highly sophisticated, can do what the customers want it to do in a good way, an easy to use way. And that's something we're hyper focused on, like building the best product in the market, uh, always being ahead of the competition on having the best product. Um, so that's how we've been growing. Um, we actually, uh, when you look at our market, you have some more expensive players that have been around for a while. And then uh, we have some cheaper players with less robust solutions. And then we're kind of in the middle, but we think we have a, a middle price solution, but it's a premium solution that's uh, as good, if not better, than the, the more expensive solutions. Um, so, so that's what we're hearing from our customers, is that we basically have the best product in the market, and and that's why they go with Userflow.
1: Very good. So well, well let, let's sort of jump in a little bit to uh, how the SaaS org needs to change uh, to support PLG. Now yeah. we we have uh, in this kind of like intro section, you know, talks a bit a little bit about product-led growth. Um, I, I feel uh, obviously because I live in this like SAS bubble that everybody should know the acronyms and should know what product-led growth is and so on. But we have a community of founders in SaaS doc who are uh, SAS founders that are learning to you know build their businesses. And sometimes they I get questions like, what's an SDR or what is PLG. Uh, and I just, I'm like, what? Like, how do you not know this, right? Uh, but actually, you know, it's a, it's a little bit unfair because I, I live in this bubble. And so given that people ask these questions, let's just start, let's remind folks what product-led growth is and, and why you took that particular approach.
0: Yeah, no, so I think there are two ways of kind of looking at it. One way is comparing it to its um, kind of counterpart, sales-led growth. So sales-led growth has been kind of the traditional Oh, it's been a very um, kind of the, the, the most popular way to drive a SaaS business has basically been to uh, have sales led growth where you uh, have a demo form so people can sign up uh, for a demo then you have a salesperson kind of doing that demo you uh, do more calls uh, maybe to decide on uh, whether this user should buy uh, the product or not you do contract negotiation uh, and then uh, when you are kind of ready, they, they sign the contract. Then they get onboarded by customer success manager in another meeting, and then they get to try the product, right? Um, and in a product led model, you turn that around and you make it much more efficient. You basically put the hands in the product uh, in the product in the hands of the users first. So they do that through a free trial or freemium. They experience the value directly in the product. They see the value. They uh, uh, basically make a purchasing de- decision ideally by just trying the product. And then they buy self-service and they get onboarded self-service. Uh, that's kind of the ideal route, right? But you can also add like a sales assist and so on to product But, but that's kind of a, a, a good way to look at it. And then the other way of looking at it uh, for me and, and, that's perhaps may- maybe even more important. It's, it's a culture in a company to always think product first in everything you do. Uh, so basically, whenever you want to solve a problem, let's say we're getting way too many support tickets. Uh, then you basically say, yeah, how could we solve that by fixing it in the product? Is there some UX challenges we need to solve? Uh, like uh, instead of hiring people to do more support, right? That could be the sales led approach to kind of doing that. Um, so, so it's always about thinking product first in, in everything you do.
1: Okay, and let's start with the why before we go into the how. So why does a SaaS organization need to change uh, to support uh, PLG?
0: So uh, what we've been seeing, uh, always been seeing, and this is what happened to Cobalt, we, we raised money, right? And then uh, you want to scale your team. And uh, how it's always been advised from VCs and others is when you scale your team, you specialize, right? So you start out building a marketing function, a sales function, a customer success function, um, product function, engineering function, and you end up with, with a lot of different teams, a lot of different managers, because you're, you're kind of being told to, to specialize, right? Uh, and that's the best way to scale a SaaS organization. But as the world has changed now, we have empowered end users, right? It's much more um, product-led, and and, uh, you you have a different kind of SaaS world, at least for the product-led business, and I think it's going to change even more in the future. Uh, But the organization hasn't changed, right? Uh, You're still scaling the organization with sales, customer success, marketing, and so on. And the problem with that is you end up with with uh, silos. So basically teams that are uh, one working in their own silos and they're not uh, collaborating, uh, they're trying to achieve their own goals. And and that in such an organization, you can basically never become product led because product led is all about how can we solve this together in the product? How can we make it self-service? Uh, instead, you end up in a in a situation where sales and customer success are battling uh, who owns this customer and uh, at what point in time do we transition and and all these stupid things right uh, that, that that that's a waste of time uh, you also end up with an organization where people um because there are so many uh, departments you have managers and each manager to to kind of prove they are a manager they need to hire somebody right they need to hire teams below them to kind of say I'm a manager uh So I need at least 10 people, right? And that's not the best decision necessarily for the company uh, that you end up hiring all these people uh, because it's not making the company more effective uh, necessarily uh, because a manager just needs 10 people for them to say they're a manager, right? Um, So it's different kind of mechanisms like that that is really uh, blocking product growth from... Becoming uh, accomplishing its full potential in in sales-led companies is that you are still building the organization in the old way, uh, basically.
1: And so, what what is your way? Like, how would you change from that old way in all these specialized departments to this? This new way, uh, I, I saw a uh, an all.
0: Yeah, no. So, um, so my, I'm I'm just mirroring what we're doing at Userflow, right? And we're three employees. Uh, I'm I'm the growth guy. I manage marketing, sales, uh, customer success. Uh, but basically, it's not. I, I don't even call it sales or customer success. I I would say I'm a product expert, right? I support customers. Um, When they have questions uh, i do the demos i'm basically a product expert right i'm just kind of facilitating that the people who sign up for a free trial that they get their questions answered in a good way Um, and uh, so so that's my role and then you have uh, my co-founder he's the he's he's the ceo but he's also more primarily uh, building the product right he's managing both product and engineering he's basically uh, He's not only building the product, but he's also defining the features and and defining how it should look like, right? Um, and then the last person is a designer who works for my my co-founder, right? Um, so when I'm looking at that organization and saying how would I scale that instead of like building five or six new departments, uh, I would just scale below these departments. I'd, I would build a go-to-market or growth or whatever you want to call it department and then I would have a product slash engineering department and that's how I would scale the organization because then you don't end up with like six different managers who needs to be aligned you just have two managers and maybe a CEO and a finance team on top right? Um, but but that's it and it becomes a much much more a smaller and leaner organization uh, that's easier to align uh, uh, kind of big, big changes in uh, base game.
1: How, how, how big do you think uh, a company you can be to kind of scale with that sort of organization? Can you become a yeah, crazy list of 1 billion in revenue and 50 people?
0: A good, it's a good question. I think uh, I've seen some examples out there. Uh, Aha, which is a bootstrap company to 100 million ARM. On. Uh, they didn't have... Salespeople, uh, I think at least until they hit like 50 million AR or something like that, maybe more. Um, they also just had these like product experts, right? Like basically this mix between sales and custom success. Um, so I think it is definitely possible. I think the problem is always when you start to scale, some people who have that background from the other SaaS organizations are going to come into the organization and try to change the culture and say, you can't do this, right? And I, I think at some point, you just get too many of those, and they will they will change the organization to the old way, right? So I think it's a paradigm change where we need to make such an organization acceptable even at scale. So I actually think it's it's possible to scale it beyond fifty million AR, maybe you know beyond one hundred million AR. Uh, I, I I don't I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's a it's a problem to do that, you, especially with the whole product led growth motion and, are you and guys, more so the
1: ones that are going to do that. Is that your like? Do you see user flow is going to be a hundred million organization, or would you I want mean, a nice kind of lifestyle business like uh, five ten million I revenue think, with, with three people?
0: Yeah, no, I think we should definitely. If we wanted to do that, we could become a. If we wanted to go after that target, right? It, it, I think for us, we we are we're kind of enjoying just being the three of us. Uh, but if we wanted to go after being a 100 million AR business, I think we could, and we would be able to do that. But we would need to hire more people in in these kind of uh, areas, right? Uh, just basically to to get uh, more exposure. Um, uh, and for the product side, it's actually interesting because the more people you add. The more complexity you add, um, but but uh, yeah, uh, if you want to build a 100 million AR business, you probably need more than one developer, right? So. Yeah.
1: And just out of curiosity, because you say you don't have a salesperson and you're you're the product guy and you're doing the demos, do you yeah. have without the sales org or the salesperson? Do you have a sales CRM? Are you keeping track of like everybody that's you know? done a demo, downloaded and progressing across the pipeline,
0: you know. Yeah. I I mean, I wrote, I actually wrote an article called the search for the SaaS CRM. uh, I think it was two years ago, one and a half years ago, because I mean, we are using a CRM. We use HubSpot today to manage uh, all our trials and all that stuff, uh, but it's not really connected to the product in a good way. We're kind of hacking it with Zapier. but for instance, we use a solution called Chat Mogul, which is great. Uh, we use that for all our SaaS metrics, and they uh, are connected to our product and Stripe. Uh, and they also just actually released that they are now trying to build a CRM, which is super okay. interesting. Uh, I, I, it's something I'm going to keep a close eye on. I think it's a big undertaking for them to do uh, uh, because going from being a reporting system. To being a system of action is it's two different things uh, basically, um, but but I'm I, I like where they're going with it because they're much more connected to the product, I've, and I think that's where we need to go. CRMs just needs to be more connected to the product basically, uh, and and less manual.
1: Yeah, I saw the announcement as well from uh, from, from Nick at mogul and he'll be on the podcast soon talking uh, more about that and, uh, and and that move. So. Um, stay yep. tuned. Uh, very cool. So we're going to move into the quickfire round. Uh, Esben, you ready uh, for this? Yeah, I'm always ready.
0: will <laughs> um, <we'll> see. <laughs>
1: what one thing has moved the needle the most for user flow?
0: So I think it's this, uh, how fast we can show the value of our product. Uh, within minutes of you signing up for a free trial, you get to build your very first onboarding flow, and you can see the value right away. So I think that's super important for almost all free trial, freemium models, is that you can show that value uh, really, really quickly.
1: Very cool. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received?
0: Oh, uh, my f- f- favorite person when it comes to advice is actually, uh, so in Cobalt we went to an accelerator uh, with Boost, Adam Draper, he, he's a golden nugget kind of guy, and one of them is like, be the cockroach. And I think it's that's a good advice for the current time we're in. It's basically just stay around, And then you will survive and you'll get through it um, and do great.
1: Oh, cool. Be the cockroach. Uh, Hardest thing about PLG?
0: Uh, Sorry, I didn't catch that. What's
1: the hardest thing about PLG?
0: So uh, for for a sales led company it's uh, changing the culture to think product first uh, and I think that's we went through that with Coble. It's it was really really hard uh, but but yeah uh, to be future proof I think you need to do that.
1: Uh, what about the hardest thing about building a startup in 2023?
0: It's it's accept accepting the fact that uh, things are not growing as fast as they used to. Uh I think the only area where we are seeing hypergrowth still is uh, in AI. Uh, so if you can build something really, really cool with uh, with AI, then you might uh, you might uh, uh, enjoy it more uh, in 2020. Yeah,
1: if you landed on generative AI, if you're Open AI, it's going to be a good year for you. Um, yeah. What about what's your favorite book on entrepreneurship?
0: So, yeah, I I mean, I read a lot of books. There's the product Growth book by Wes Bush I always recommend. Uh, But actually, one book that's not on entrepreneurship as such uh, is a biography I I read. I can't remember the author on George Lucas, Mm -hmm. on how he made the Star Wars movies and, uh, you know, Indiana Jones and these kind of things. And I think it's a great book on how you build the best things as a team and not as a single person. Uh, He made the worst movies when he tried to do everything on his own and the best movies when he had a great team around him.
1: Very cool, very cool. Uh, Makes sense. Outside of user flow, what is your favorite SaaS company uh, and why?
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, Basecamp comes to mind, right? As I said, uh, because they're such a lean organization. but yeah, uh, from from a favorite kind of product that I like, uh, I, I think uh, Stripe has, is fantastic. What they've done for for the ecosystem, uh, it, it's just a, a product that makes the the life of being a SaaS business much easier. Uh, you get your money uh, on time, uh, and it's easy to collect and so on. So. Any payment solution that can do that, that's that—that's great.
1: Okay, oh, cool. good stuff. So, uh, final questions now as we're sort of wrapping up, Esben, and thanks for completing the quick fire round. So, we mentioned that uh, we'll see you again in Austin at the end of this month. So, May 31st to the 2nd of June, sas.usa USA is taking place, first time in Austin. It's going to be our new home in the US and uh, building that out like we, we do with our, our Dublin conference. Um, what what are you speaking about uh, at the conference? What are you looking forward to? Have you ever been to Austin before? On any tips?
0: Yeah, I know I'm I'm bringing my prerogative opinions uh, in, into real life. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about how we should change the SAS org and hopefully we'll get a good discussion with some people at the conference. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, uh, I, I I think my. Provocative ideas is not always 100% correct, but they are made to basically just move the needle a bit uh, and and change the world just just a tiny bit.
1: Very good. Have you been
0: to Austin before? Yeah, actually once uh, to watch the Formula One in Austin, that was uh, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, uh, looking forward to being back.
1: Yeah, sadly it's not a Formula One weekend. That would have or a week because that would have worked well for me because I'm an F1. <laughs> yeah, fan. I would have gone to that. But so we're thinking of uh, yeah. speaking of F1 and SaaS founders, we're thinking of taking some founders out to Miami next year. So stay. tuned.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a big year for Formula One in the US, uh, both Las Vegas and Miami. is going to be. Are you doing cool. any
1: any uh, of the Grand Prix?
0: We'll see. I haven't decided yet, um, uh, but yeah, um, potentially, it, it was. I enjoyed it a lot uh, in, in Austin, so hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see how well uh, Kevin Magnuson will will do uh, when I want to <laughs> join the race. That's it.
1: Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, Edwin, yeah. uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the SAS Revolution show today. For the second time, we'll see you My pleasure. May 31st, the 2nd of June at SAS.USA. Thanks for sharing your, your thoughts, your provocative thoughts on... Uh, uh, um, uh, everything but changing uh, 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 organisations, for organisations in the SaaS company um, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you soon uh, thanks so much Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show I hope you enjoyed it and if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SAS Doc conferences around the world Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasstop.com.